Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith. I am flying solo today. Jake Fenner is I'm traveling to do over the weekend, and uh, it was not available to partake this week, so you are all stuck with me, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this. I just wanted to start out by reiterating something that Jake said last week. We appreciate all of this great support that you guys have given us, uh, a lot of the great feedback. It's really been valuable in helping us try and guide this show and uh, make it something that the whole community can appreciate. So, again, thanks to everybody for the support. We're working hard each week to make this better. And, uh, you know, just can't say enough about how awesome the BFW community has been. And we'll jump right into things right now with after 90 minutes. Um, you know, to sit here and discuss the game against Werder Bremen, it was very interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, the final score was 1-0. Byron came away with the victory. And it was one of those games where you never really felt like they were in any type of danger. Um, I felt that they controlled play the entire way. Werder Bremen seemed a bit tentative and hesitant. Uh, They weren't quite as aggressive or confident as they had been previously. Um, It was just a different look from Werder Bremen than what we had been used to seeing. Um, From a Byron perspective... um, You know, offensively, they controlled the game. Uh, I didn't really feel like, you know, it was a lack of cohesion or a lack of chemistry out on the field uh, for the lack of scoring. I just felt like they had some tough luck with finishing. And uh, also, Yuri Pavlenka had a uh, had an awesome game in that. So that was it. That was a big part of it. But, um, you know, the front four of Gnabry, Coman, uh, Thomas Muller and Robert Lewandowski, I, I had no problem with how they played and how they distributed the ball and how creative they were. Was a was the finishing subpar? Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, you just felt like at some point two or three or four of those opportunities should have gone in, but they just didn't. And I'd be a lot more worried if they weren't getting those opportunities, which was what I think a big problem was in the fall, um, was that they just did not get those types of quality chances. I'd rather have to deal with uh, some poor finishing than a lack of opportunity any day. So I think from that perspective, I, I mean, you have to come away feeling good about how the offense played despite the lack of uh, quality finishes there. From a midfield perspective, it was not the cleanest game for Tiago Alcantara or Javi Martinez. Uh, there were a few slip-ups there. They weren't quite as sharp as usual. But that said, they still controlled the game. I can't remember thinking at any point that Werder Bremen was going to win that battle in the midfield. It just never really occurred to me that Werder Bremen would be able to break through there. And defensively, it just led right into that. Um, you know, Jerome Boateng, I thought, had a very solid game. And Nicolas Sula, obviously, was was awesome on the day, both uh, defensively and with the the only goal of the game. And, the, you know, the outside back tandem of David Alaba and Joshua Kimmich, they were just, I, I thought they were phenomenal. They were able to press up the field and they were able to create offense and, and really push Werder Bremen deeper and deeper into their own zone. And it really made Werder Bremen, it made it difficult for them to really do much of anything. Um, you know, and, and of course, when Werder Bremen was assessed the, uh, the second yellow card there, that was um, really the game changer. And it did open up everything for the Bavarians, for sure. 
I mean, overall, when you look at the contest, you have to really look at at what this was about. So Bayern needed to get three points. I mean, we have, you know, at the time they played the game, uh, Bayern had no idea what Borussia Dortmund, what their outcome would be. So to go in and try and secure three points, that was the primary goal. And I think, you know, obviously they, they were very successful in doing that. Looking at everything, yeah, you could. there are a lot of reasons where you may not be happy. You may feel like they left three or four goals on the field. You may be upset that Robert Lewandowski, you know, once again struggled with some of his finishes. But, you know, there were a lot of positives there, like I, like I talked about, just having those opportunities those are things that weren't there in the fall. So just to see how the team has progressed since that point, I think it, it's a big thing. And I think Nico Kovac has finally gotten through to these players and he finally has the right combination of players out on the field to create that consistency within the offense. And I guess it would be a little bit remiss if we if we just didn't talk about Nicholas Sula a little bit more. I've been a little bit of a critic of Sula lately this season. Um, obviously... I think he's a, an enormous talent. I think he has the capability to be one of the top center backs on the planet within a few years. Um, he hasn't quite been as consistent as I would like this season. And that's not really, a, a, you know, a downgrade of him. I, I, I don't think that, you know, he's poor or that he's regressing. I just think he had some of the normal struggles that young players go through. And, you know, dealing with some of the things going on in the locker room Having two, you know, established and very good veterans with Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng surrounding him, you know, it's been tough to get that consistency in playing time. And even though he's really come across as the number one option, Kovac has definitely, he's definitely given the opportunity to the veterans at times to get that extra playing time and to, you know, work them back into the rotation. And of late, you know, Boateng's been on the outside looking in. But I think having those two around has helped Sula. And I think getting some of the experience that he's gotten over the past two months has really helped refine some of those areas of his game that he was struggling with. Um, his passing has been much more accurate. He has been a lot more sharp defensively in when to take his challenges. And I know that you know he'll be missing the next Werder Bremen game due to a red card uh, against Heidenheim. But... You know, I think that the progress that he's showing uh, is really putting him in a good spot to continue to develop and evolve his game. And I think that's one of the exciting things that we're going to be able to watch. And you could see just by how he played against Werder Bremen this weekend. He was aggressive and extremely confident. And that's what you really want to see out of a player like that. A young player whose mentality it probably cost him some caused him to make some bad decisions this season. He didn't seem to be hesitant. He didn't seem to be, you know, double thinking anything. He was very assertive on the field, and I think that's that's key, and that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, for the rest of this season, he's obviously going to be the number one option, and we'll see what happens next year when Lucas Hernandez comes in and when Benjamin Pavard come in when he comes in as well. You know, we'll see how Sula can handle that type of pressure when he's got two other young stud defenders pushing him for playing time, in addition with whoever is left over from Hummels and Boateng. But of anything to come out of this Werder Bremen game, it was just great to see that confidence and that assertiveness that Sula showed today. So I think what we'll do now is move on, and after this break, we will take a look at some of the matchups for next week. 
All right, welcome back. And right now we are going to go into Der Ausblick. And of course, that is the outlook for this upcoming week where Bayern has two games. First, against Werder Bremen, a familiar opponent in the DFP Pokal, and FC Nuremberg, who we'll see next weekend in the Bundesliga. Bundesliga, sorry. I know you guys are very particular about the pronunciations, and I am working on getting that Philly accent out of there. So bear with me if we struggle a little bit today. Um, first, let's just take a quick look at Werder Bremen. Coming off the 1-0 victory, uh, I think we saw uh, Werder Bremen at, at not their best uh, on Saturday. Um, they were not aggressive or assertive or, or confident. And I would expect Florian Kohlfeld to bring his boys out and really try and go after this one in the Pokal. I think that Bayern will also be ready for this. And yeah, losing Nicholas Sula for this game would be, it will be very tough. And it will present Niko Kovac with some challenges. If Matt Hummels is not ready to play, we'll be looking at a center back tandem of Jerome Boateng and either Javi Martinez or Lars Lucas Mai. So it will be interesting to see what happens from that perspective. If Hummels is healthy, I think, you know, you could be 100% confident what will go on back there. But if Hummels can't go, there will be some uncertainty. Uh, Javi Martinez certainly can step in and play a solid game at center back. He, of course, has the height and experience to make it work. Uh, Lars Lucas Mai is a little divisive among the Bayern fan base. Some people believe in his ability and talent. Others are not quite so sure. And this would be a very tough spot for him to step into. Um, you know, he's a young player. He's definitely shown some skill and some ability, but this could be a position where a team like Werder Bremen would target him and probably be able to take advantage of him. I mean, overall, when you look at it, I think that you have to look at this game and, and you have to see what Werder Bremen brought to the table on Saturday. And it wasn't much. And I don't think that even a change in tactics or even in a, a more aggressive style of play will be able to offset the talent and depth that Bayern has. And that's just where they're going to win the game, quite frankly. Bayern is a better team. They're a deeper team. Uh, overall, top to bottom, they just have more talent. And with that, you know, I, I don't expect there to, this to be much of a contest. I had kind of predicted a 3-1 outcome for Saturday. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I really feel confident that that game, with any semblance of good finishing by Bayern, could have been 4 nothing. Could have been 5 nothing. Um, you know, Yuri Pavlenka, I don't know if he's going to be able to put together that kind of performance again. And I just don't think that Werder Bremen is quite ready for the level of play that Bayern Munich uh, can put out there. And, I, and I'm a fan of what Werder Bremen has done. I just don't think that it's their time yet. Will it be in the near future? Probably. They are a team on the rise for sure. But I don't think this is this is the time for that. So looking forward to the FC Nuremberg game, this should be a uh, a bit of a laugher for Bayern. Uh, Nuremberg is is struggling. They are destined for relegation at this point. Uh, and I think that one of the things that you know Bayern has been prone to in the past is looking right by opponents like this. And I I don't get the impression that uh, Niko Kovac is going to let that happen. I think that they're going to come in. They're going to take care of business. 
I don't even know if he's going to be inclined to rotate some of the personnel as much as as maybe he would have in the past. This this is a game where I think previously we might have seen a start for Renato Sanchez. I think this is somewhere where, you know, Frank Ribery may have gotten a start. And, and it's possible that he could start one or both of those guys. But I think what Kovac is going to do is come in, take care of business, and really make sure that there is no upset. Where Byron is at in the table, they can't afford anything. They can't afford a letdown. They can't afford to look past anyone. And I think that uh, if you really, if you look at this contest and you try and examine any way that Nuremberg can win this game, I, I can't find one. I, I look, I'm looking up and down their roster and I can see that, you know, they have some talent, but it's just not enough and they don't have enough depth. Um, you know, they could try and park three buses on the field. I don't think it's going to work. This is just a game where I think Byron's going to dominate. We could see four or five goals. In fact, I would expect to see four or five goals. And I have, I'm hard pressed to think that Nuremberg will be able to even score one. It just has not been a great season in the Bundesliga for them. Obviously, there were some high expectations just to, um, you know, just in terms of excitement with them coming back to the top tier. But it just has not worked out. They really have never gotten it together. They showed some flashes of fight in the first half of the season. But honestly, it's just been a terrible stretch. And it's really tough to think that they have any chance in this game. So, you know, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to say Byron is probably going to win this one in 5 nothing. It'll be interesting to see who some of those goal scorers are. To see if, you know, Nico Kovac, how much he does... Uh, venture into the treacherous waters of squad rotation but we'll see how that goes it just doesn't look like there's any way Nuremberg can win this game so with that we will be moving on we'll be right back after this message okay welcome back to the Bavarian Football Works newsroom and right now we're going to tackle some of the bigger stories that came out this week. And I think one of the biggest things that, that we saw this week, and it's something I've been covering closely, was Bayern Munich's uh, pursuit of RB Leipzig striker Timo Werner. Uh, Werner, <laughs> he is a divisive topic in the Bavarian Football Works community. I am on the hashtag Team Timo side of things where I think that Bayern should absolutely pursue Timo Werner. I think that Werner has excellent pace. I think he's strong. He uses his body well. And I think that he can provide something from either striker or on the wing that would definitely complement the current pieces in place at Bayern. Uh, Werner has taken a lot of hits lately. Um from some staff members at Bavarian Football Works and from some people in the community as well. But there is a quality to his game. And I think that being around the type of players uh, like Robert Lewandowski, like Thomas Muller, to have other wings like Kingsley Coman or Serge Gnabry around, or Gnabry around, to have Thiago Alcantara feeding him the ball, to have Joshua Kimmich or David Alaba there, I think having that type of talent around Werner will bring out the best in him. It will make him better than he already is. I mean, he is a natural talent. He is a goal scorer. And, you know, 
it's one of those cases where can you ever have enough goal scores? I don't think so. I think that Werner would be a good fit. And I do think he can play wing. And that is where I think a lot of people are really divided uh, when it comes to Timo Werner. Can he play the wing? I firmly believe that he can. I believe he's shown the ability to play out wide. He can cross the ball. He's got excellent pace. He is one of the fastest players in the Bundesliga. Um, and I think that the way that he plays the game will f- bring some further excitement to the Bayern lineup. He can create problems for the opposition. And I think he would be a great complement to those pieces that are there. And it would give that built-in backup to Robert Lewandowski that right now is not on the roster. You know, what we know about Nico Kovac is that he likes versatile players. And I do think that Werner is one of those guys that can play anywhere across the front. He could be a second striker that could complement Lewandowski on the field. He could play striker when Lewandowski needs a rest. And he could play the wing position. These are things that he brings to the table. And I know that there are so many people that want to see a true wing come in. They want Callum Hudson-Odoi, or they want Nicolas Pepe. I don't know if we're going to see those two players. I think what we need to start looking at is a player like Timo Werner, a player that wants to be a Bayern, a player that's not going to be overly expensive. Werner, right now, uh, it's being rumored that you know, uh, RB Leipzig wants 60 million euros. Bayern is willing to pay 25 million. <laughs> I really think that the that number is going to end up somewhere around 40, 45, 50 million, somewhere in that 40 to 50 million range. Uh, I think that's where Bayern will settle. Right now, of course, they are going to play hardball because they can. I mean, Bayern holds the cards here. What we know is that Werner wants to play for Bayern. We also know that he has already agreed to a wage structure with Bayern. So all that remains is working out that transfer fee with RB Leipzig. And right now, a lot of the Bundesliga fans, they want to make it out like Uli Honus and, and Karl Heinz Romanig, like they are the Cobra Kai parents, so to speak. They are the parents behind the big bad Cobra Kai that you never really see in the movie The Karate Kid outside of Johnny Lawrence being at the country club. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny how that reputation has come that Bayern just steals the Bundesliga's best players and they collect them. And whether they play or not, it doesn't matter. They just end up on the Bayern roster. I think that you could make a case for that, but there are actually statistics that show that Bayern is among the clubs that poach the least amount of players from other Bundesliga teams. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, other fa- fans of other teams, they just probably need to get over it a bit. Bayern is an attractive place to be. It, it's a it's a place where a player like Timo Werner knows he's going to be able to elevate his game. And I, I for one, would be extremely excited to see what he could do surrounded by the talent on the Bayern roster and to be able to play for Niko Kovac, a, a coach that would probably be able to get the best out of him by using him in different ways. So, I mean, from my perspective, Werner is a is a definite. I would pursue him, and I'm hoping that Bayern is able to bring him in so we can see exactly what the best of Timo Werner looks like. Some of the other big topics of the week were some kind of crazy rumors out of England where we saw Leroy Sané uh, kind of at odds with Pep Guardiola and Manchester City, 
and a rumor that both Bayern and Juventus are interested in Sané. Uh, Sané is a very intriguing figure for a lot of reasons. One, he is that true wing that many Bayern fans are longing for uh, when looking at the post-robbery era. Uh, Sané has incredible pace, incredible skill, uh, and he is a star. He really is. Can Bayern afford him? Sure. Will they pay the money for him? Uh, that remains to be seen. The early numbers being thrown around were a little bit uh, ridiculous. What we saw was 70 million euros in kind of a, uh, a dump move by Manchester City, which I cannot see happening. Just does not look like unless Manchester City thinks he's some sort of cancer in the locker room. I can't see them letting him go for anywhere near that amount. I would think that he would be more along the lines of a 90 to 100 million euro player. Uh, just given what his ability is and what his talents are and how young he is, he certainly is an intriguing prospect. He is one that I think most Bayern fans would agree on. In fact, we ran a poll when this story came out, and I think it ended up somewhere north of 85% of Bayern fans were on board if Bayern could land him. So, uh, you know, we'll keep monitoring that situation. I'm not really sure that Bayern will have the opportunity to bid on Leroy Sané. I'm thinking that Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City ownership is going to try and make this work. But they have a lot of issues going on there. Obviously, the failure in the Champions League is affecting things. And, you know, reportedly they have seven or eight players that all want to transfer out. So maybe Sané is the least of their worries at this point. And he's still under contract. They're under no obligation to let him go. If they want to, he can remain unhappy in Manchester City for another couple of years. So it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see what they do and you know how Bayern reacts if they do put him on the market. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on that. The other one out of England that was kind of curious was Bayern being linked to Christian Eriksen of Tottenham Hotspur. Um, again, that's it was one where I don't. I mean, obviously Eriksen, he is a a talent. He's a great player. But I don't know if he's what Bayern needs at this point. It would seem kind of redundant, you know, if Bayern is truly going to let James Rodriguez go, it seems kind of redundant to bring in Eriksen because then I think you're just creating another logjam in the central attacking midfield role where you already have Thomas Muller, you already have Leon Goretzka, you have uh, Thiago Alcantara can also play there, and so could Quarantin Tolisso, and even Serge Gnabry. So you have plenty of people that could play in that role. It's It would be a purchase, a luxury purchase, really. Um, you know, it's great to have that kind of talent. It's great to have that kind of depth. But do you really need another huge ego in the locker room? Do you need someone that is going to demand playing time, and where does it come from? Will he be as good a fit as Thomas Muller in the lineup? I'm not so sure. It's not It's not a knock against Erickson at all. I just don't buy into this purchase really at all. And uh, I can't see it happening. So, I mean, it's again, it's another one of these things where we'll have to keep an eye out on things and keep monitoring that. But um, I really don't expect anything real to come out of that. Uh, one of the other big stories of the week was the kind of goalkeeper shakeup that's going on in the youth ranks with Bayern Munich. Um, obviously, with Manuel Manuel Neuer's injury history, it's become uh, kind of a hot-button topic as to who his successor will be. 
Obviously, you have Sven Ulreich in place. Um, while Ulreich has been a very solid backup, it's hard to imagine, given his age, that he would be considered the next in line to take over for Neuer. I mean, from there, the next uh, best option was considered to be Christian Fructel, but it looks like Bayern is not so sure. So they are looking, allegedly, to loan out Fructel to possibly to another team, possibly FC Augsburg is what we've heard. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. But I guess one of the, the big things that came out of it is Bayern is really taking a close look at Schalke goalkeeper Alexander Nubel. And if you followed the games from this weekend, uh, he got lit up by Hoffenheim. Now, granted, he didn't have much help. Uh, the defense, <laughs> the defensive prowess of Schalke is pretty much non-existent, non-existent at this point. Actually, anything involving Schalke is non-existent. They are a dumpster fire, to put it nicely. I mean, they're they're terrible right now. They're listless, unmotiv- listless, unmotivated. Um, they're just a bad team. Um, so it's tough to really knock uh, the young goalkeeper too much. But even on the opportunities that he had, um, he just didn't look confident. And he, I, I believe at least two of the shots that, that went in, he had a good chance to stop and he did not. So again, you can't really judge a talent all on one game. And it was really the first time that I, I had taken a look at him and tried to study exactly what his ability was and trying to just see what Byron was seeing in him. And, um, you know, I didn't walk away convinced, but again, that's just a, it's a short example of probably a long career of, in, in the youth ranks anyway, of having to perform. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops. Um, obviously, everyone at Bayern is probably hoping that Neuer is able to recover and provide, you know, five, six, seven, eight more years of, of quality play, although that's probably far-fetched at this point. I, I don't think that he's going to be uh, Gianluigi Buffon anytime soon playing into uh, his 40s. So, uh, you know, it's a situation we'll be following. I'm sure that it will be rumor central over the summer when dealing with that. So uh, we at Bavarian Football Works will definitely be taking a close look at that. Uh, one of the other stories kind of piggybacking off last week was there was no fallout from the infamous fight that occurred at practice between Robert Lewandowski and Kingsley Coman. Um, there was no fallout. There was no follow-up. It kind of all just died like we thought it would. So, it, again, it was one of those things that happens at every practice, or not every practice, happens with every team at some point. So, uh, you know, it was, again, a little bit overblown. But, uh, you know, any time that you have two star players punching each other in the face, um, you know, it does make news and it does uh, create a little bit of interest. So um, as expected, it all kind of died. And it was, like I said last week, one of those things where I think Nico Kovac really should be commended for how he handle it, handled it. And knowing his players and how they would react, it, it's been interesting to watch Nico Kovac evolve over the course of this season. I think people forget because it's so everyone is so quick to judge him and so quick to jump on what he is not. But you have to remember, he was growing into this. This was not going to be easy from the get-go for Nico Kovac. He did not have to work with the type of egos and depth and talent that he has at Bayern 
ever before. So to come in and kind of work through some of those struggles in the first half of the season, and I think we all had doubts at times, but what he's shown over the past two to three months is that he has a feel for how to work with these big ego players. He has a feel for how to manage the talent. And I think that he's drawn the respect of the locker room. I think the players, if they had any doubt about him, have now chosen to back him up and support him. And I think that's why we've seen such good results over the past two months. So credit to Nico Kovac for killing that story off. And uh, with that, we will be moving on. All right, welcome back, and now we are entering the final segment of the show, which is Before We Go, and the topic for this Before We Go segment is none other than Renato Sanchez. So, after Bayern Munich uh, escaped with a 1-0 victory over Werder Bremen, Sanchez thought this would be a good time to kind of vent his frustration about his lack of playing time. So that's exactly what he did. Uh, he spoke to Florian Plettenberg of Sport One and kind of detailed that he was not happy, that his playing time is not suffice, and that it might be time for a loan. Well, I mean, he's right. Uh, you know, his playing time is not suffice for a player of his age and of his talent. He probably should be playing more. But the problem for Renato Sanchez is that. He's just not as good as the other players on the team. Is he better than Tiago Alcantara? Nope. Javi Martinez? Absolutely not. Leon Goretzka? No way. So that doesn't even factor in Quarantin Tolisso, who is working his way back. At best, if you're looking at the roles of the eight and six, Sanchez is probably your fifth best option. And that doesn't even count if... Kovac would play James Rodriguez at the eight. So it's not a great spot for Sanchez. He's just simply not as good. And I think that he should be frustrated in that he's spending time on the bench as a young player when he needs to be on the field. So obviously it's normal for him to be frustrated, but for him to kind of vent after a big win, it was a hard fought win. It was it showed a lot of those characteristics that have kind of defined him over his time at Bayern. He's been considered immature. He's been considered a bit of a loose cannon on the field. And now it's kind of carried over to the locker room. So I don't expect that this is going to end well for Renato Sanchez. I think that, you know, he came in and he was completely over his head from the beginning I think you really have to look at that transfer, and I think you have to examine what went wrong. Did the Bayern management and front office, did they just have him pegged wrong from the beginning? And I think they did. I don't think he was ever a player that was going to excel in Bayern's system, and he seemingly never wanted to buy in. Um, you know, he's had different coaches. He's played in different systems, and nothing has seemed to work out. As a young player, he has to earn that time in training. Even when Niko Kovac came in, he made it a point to invest time into Renato Sanchez. He made it a point to say he was going to get a chance. And Kovac, to his credit, did try and make that happen. He believed in Sanchez. He gave him opportunities. He invested his time into the player. 
which is more than most coaches will do. Most coaches will come in and they expect the talent to perform. But Kovac wanted to try and draw something out of Sanchez. And what he's gotten in return is a player who is complaining after games, who is sulking, who has had three stories come out in the past two weeks about his unhappiness, about you know possibly wanting a loan or a transfer. Kovac, to his credit, has not made a bigger deal of this than needs to be. I'm sure he's handling it all. He's handling everything in, in-house. Uh, but for Sanchez, he's not doing himself any favors with the public outburst. There's nothing good to come out of complaining after a win. You look selfish. You look self-centered. And you look like you're not about the team's end result. And I think that that's one thing that's been lost on Sanchez is he hasn't really ever gotten what the culture is at Bayern. Sure, are there selfish players on Bayern's roster? Absolutely, there is no doubt. But I I don't think you're going to see too many instances where a player is asking to leave after a win. It was just poor timing, and it is one of those reasons why you could start to question whether Renato Sanchez was mature enough to make this move when he did. And you'd have to also question what kind of growth he's had personally over the past couple of years in dealing with this. His loan to Swansea City was a complete and utter failure. He was injured most of the time. He created some controversy off the field. And he seemingly never really got into a spot where he was going to get anything out of that loan. And it doesn't look skill-wise or talent-wise like he's developed to a point where he should even be contending for a starting position at Bayern. And what's really sad is I think he genuinely believes he's better than his teammates. And while it's great for an athlete to be that confident and to have that kind of self-belief, he also has to look in the mirror and say, am I as good as Tiago? Am I as good as Javi Martinez? Am I as good as Leon Goretzka? If he says yes to any of those, then he's completely delusional. He's not on that level. And there's no guarantee that he's ever going to get to that level. Does he have good talent? Yes. Is it the kind of talent that's going to overwhelm someone enough to jump in front of those type of players on a roster? I don't think so. I think he's been vastly overrated since he's been here. And I don't think that he is on the path of becoming a starter or even a regular anytime soon. At least not with Bayern Munich. So Renato Sanchez, as he starts to plan this next phase of his career, whether it's a loan or whether it's a transfer away from Bayern, he needs to start thinking about what's most important to him. Is it being on a team where he can be the man, where he can get consistent playing time, which is probably what he needs? Or is it going to another big club where he's going to be in a constant dogfight for playing time, where he'll never be assured of anything? I think for his psyche at this point, he's got to go somewhere where he can be on the field. And if he doesn't perform then, maybe then when he looks in the mirror, he'll be able to say to himself, I'm just not as good as my teammates. So thank you all again for joining us. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to fly solo with you guys. Uh, We have some things in the works. You might be seeing a little more of this come summertime, but Please hit me up on Twitter at The Barrel Blog or hit us at our Twitter account for the site, which would be at Bavarian FB Works. 
Uh, we love hearing back from you guys. We love the interaction with the community. You can see by the way that we hop into the comments and all the pieces that we write. Uh, we really enjoy the byplay and being able to communicate with you guys and exchange crazy ideas and thoughts, agreements, and areas where we agree. And mostly when we disagree, those are kind of fun too. So, you know, please, if you have any feedback, if you have anything you want to know, I'm always responsive. So hit me up there. Otherwise, thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week.